0: Coffee in the big day. Dust off your Walkmans and grab your Rubik's Cube. Don't cross the streams. I got a great idea, you guys. Flick shoes. This is Radio Wayne's One to Grow On, your 30-minute time machine to the coolest moments in 80s and 90s pop culture, wrapped up in a tasty, spiritual hot pocket. Bam, bam, bam. Stick around for some great retro fun, and if you're not careful, you might learn something before it's done. And now, here's your host, Wayne Cordova.
1: Woo. Welcome, true believers, to another episode of Radio Wayne's One to Grow On. I'm your host, Wayne Cordova, leading you on this nostalgic navigation through the vibrant vortex of 80s and 90s pop culture. Each episode, we're popping the lid on the tastes, tunes, and trends that made these decades fizz with excitement. Today, we're cracking open a can of history and pouring out the tale of the titanic tussle for soda supremacy. The Cola Wars between Coke and Pepsi. These two heavyweight brands went head-to-head in a bubbly battle for the ages, each vying for the top spot in our coolers and our hearts. From Coke's classic taste and its brief, controversial detour into new Coke, to Pepsi's celebrity-infused ad campaigns and bold, sweeter flavor, these soda giants kept us sipping, choosing, and debating. Let's not forget the other players in the game, like Dr. Pepper, 7-Up, and the citrus twist of Mountain Dew, each adding their own flavor to the mix. So, whether you were Team Coke, Team Pepsi, or just enjoyed the carbonated crossfire, today's episode is going to pop with stories of this fizzy feud. So, let's pop a top and dive into the Cola Wars. What's that? Looks like a cross ass generator. <laughs> This is Max Headroom. Max
0: Headroom?
1: Ah, Cokeologist. He sees us. Where there's a wave, there's a Coke. I like him. Join the club. Mm-hmm. You know more people prefer? The new taste of Coke over Pepsi. Let's take him home. Good idea. Oh, you're yeah. Pepsi drinkers. Now's your chance. Become a Cokeologist. That's the wave. Oh! The Cola Wars. It's like the Avengers of the beverage world starring the titans of soda, Coca-Cola, and Pepsi. These two have been slugging it out for ages, and trust us, this feud is far from fizzling out. Now, let's take a trip down memory lane to see how this carbonated clash began. Way back in 1886, a clever pharmacist in Columbus, Georgia, decided to whip up a fizzy concoction he called Coca-Cola. It was all fun and games until the Coca-Cola company officially popped into existence six years later. Oh, and did we mention the original formula had a dash of cocaine in it. Yeah, uh, they had to drop that idea in 1929. Meanwhile, over in North Carolina, another pharmacist was watching this cola craze and thought, I can do that, too. He initially named his soda Brad's Drink, but thankfully, he realized he needed a snappier name. Thus, Pepsi-Cola was born in 1898, followed by the Pepsi-Cola Company in 1902. So there you have it, folks. Coke and Pepsi were born competitors. But the funny thing is, their products aren't all that different. If you're a fan of one, you've probably switched to the other without making much of a fuss in the past. Both companies understood that the real battle wasn't about the cola itself, but creating a brand that folks love. Fast forward a bit, and we've got the Cola Wars. This term emerged to describe the advertising and marketing showdown between Coca-Cola and PepsiCo. Coca-Cola was all about emotions, nostalgia, family, friendship. They wanted you to feel all warm and fuzzy inside when you popped open a Coke. Pepsi, on the other hand, positioned itself as the hip, happening cola for the young and trendy crowd. And they've stuck with that vibe even till today. Coca-Cola was always one step ahead, aiming to maintain its wholesome image as America's favorite drink. Pepsi, on the other hand, went for two tactics, lower prices and bigger bottles. But here's the kicker. Neither of them were constantly rolling out new flavors or products. They just tweaked the small stuff. Sizes of bottles, shapes of bottles, adding straws, taking away straws. The real battle was happening behind the scenes with the marketing geniuses going toe to toe. As time rolled on, the Cola Wars only heated up. Coca-Cola even introduced the world to Santa Claus in 1931, marketing itself as the perfect year-round beverage. Pepsi, though, was having financial hiccups. Both Coke and Pepsi fought for prime real estate in restaurants and businesses, trying to get their products right in front of your thirsty eyes. Then came World War II, and both colas pulled some interesting moves. Coca-Cola went all patriotic, saying it was the drink of freedom, while Pepsi claimed to be the calorie-rich, vitality-boosting choice for soldiers. But things got unfair when Coca-Cola got cozy with the government and dodged sugar rationing, forcing Pepsi to import sugar from Mexico. Pepsi even filed a complaint, but Uncle Sam didn't budge. In 1950, Coca-Cola finally gave itself the catchy nickname Coke. You know you finally made it when the people start giving you your nickname. Well, the real showdown happened in the 1970s. Only 4% of cola drinkers said they stuck exclusively to Pepsi, while a whopping 18% pledged allegiance to Coke. But then Pepsi pulled a rabbit out of the hat, the Pepsi Challenge. It was a blind taste test, and it turned out that more folks preferred Pepsi over Coke, even in a controlled environment. Coke started losing customers left and right, dropping from 60% market share during World War II to just 24% by 1983 panic mode for coke in 1980 they ditched sugar for high fructose corn syrup and unveiled diet coke in 1982 pepsi had its own diet version too and the cola wars raged on but then something mind-blowing happened after 99 years coca-cola announced they were changing the formula they rolled out new coke and people were intrigued Initial sales shot up by 8%, and it made headlines worldwide. But man, the public's reaction was swift and furious. Over 40,000 complaints flooded in. The Coke hotline got flooded with angry calls and folks staging protests. There were even groups like the Old Cola Drinkers of America, people realizing that it wasn't just about the taste, it was about the experience. Coke had to pull a U-turn after just 79 days. They brought back the old formula as Coca-Cola Classic, but they never expected it to stick around. They figured the critics would pipe down, but they were wrong. Coca-Cola Classic held its ground, and in 1992, they officially dumped the new Coke formula, which had at some point been renamed Coke 2. Despite the new Coke debacle, Coca-Cola sales actually went up. They also rolled out Cherry Coke in 1985, which became a smash hit. All the buzz around new Coke brought them tons of free publicity. Some conspiracy theories suggested that Coca-Cola planned the whole new Coke fiasco to boost sales. But decades of conversations with the insiders say otherwise. The Cola Wars never really ended. Pepsi never surpassed Coke in the market share. And they both kept launching interesting products. Remember Crystal Pepsi? It was Pepsi with no coloring. In a bizarre twist, New Coke made a comeback in 2019 thanks to Stranger Things. They produced 500,000 cans and only sold them online because the demand was insane. The servers couldn't handle it. And guess what? Even today, most restaurants serve either Coke or Pepsi, not both. These cola giants have supplier contracts that make choosing one over the other more cost effective. So there you have it. The Cola Wars, a saga of taste tests, marketing maneuvers, and fizzy drama. And in the end, Diet Coke emerged as the victor. Both Coca-Cola and PepsiCo continue to rule the global beverage industry, quenching the thirst of millions of loyal fans. Whether you're Team Coke or Team Pepsi, one thing's for sure, these iconic sodas are here to stay. Cheers! I'm gonna The 1980s were a time of neon fashion, big hair, and unforgettable music. But one aspect of this iconic era that often gets overlooked is the soda scene. Sure, we had the cola wars going on between Coke and Pepsi, but soda in the 1980s was more than just a beverage. It was a cultural phenomenon that left an indelible mark on our taste buds and pop culture. Let's take a nostalgic sip down memory lane and revisit some of the most popular soda brands and flavors that quenched our thirsts in the 1980s. First up, you got Sunkist, the radiant orange delight. Sunkist soda was the go-to orange soda of the 1980s, and its flavor was as vibrant as its name. Whether you picked up a can or bottled version, the packaging was unmistakable. It was refreshing, light green with white text adorned to a cheerful sun. Sunkist was the was like sunshine in a can, bringing a burst of citrusy goodness to our lives. There was not a party that was happening in the 1980s without Sunkist right there amongst all the favorites. You had Dr. Pepper, a timeless classic. Dr. Pepper isn't just a soda, it's a piece of American history. This fizzy classic had been around since long before soda was a mainstream beverage. Its dark red cans and bottles featured a white logo known as Old Doc, depicting a soda drinker with a brown hat and a cane held in its mouth. Dr. Pepper was just as timeless as ever and in its theme song carrying out throughout the rest of the 80s. I'm a pepper, you're a pepper, wouldn't you like to be a pepper too? Then you got Sprite, the unconventional thirst quencher. Sprite stood out with its unique fruit flavors and clear bottles that sported white text. But what truly set it apart was the iconic image of a soda drinker dressed up as an old-timey sailor, bringing a touch of nostalgia to every bubbly sip. Sprite's crisp taste made it a hit in the 80s and continues to be a refreshing choice today. Mountain Dew. Dew the Dew. It was adventure in a bottle. Mountain Dew, the adrenaline-pumping soda, made its post-World War II debut. Its dark green bottles and cans with light green text featured a soda drinker who looked like a Wild West cowboy riding on the back of a walrus, aptly named Yellow Dew. Its bold flavor and adventure spirit, Mountain Dew captured the hearts of thrill-seekers anywhere. It was labeled as the cool soda. If you wanted an extra burst of caffeine, which wasn't really true, by the way, you got some Mountain Dew. Speaking of the citrus side of sodas, Mellow Yellow, a vintage classic. Mellow Yellow, one of the original soda flavors, offered a mellow, easygoing experience. Packaged in dark green bottles with a light green text, They call it Mellow Yellow, right? They had the whole thing going on. Mellow Yellow was like a sip of nostalgia harking back to simpler times. I still remember the commercial featuring the American dream, Dusty Rhodes, pushing Mellow Yellow on everybody. And now you have a staple on party tables everywhere. The third option, RC Cola, the Space Age Cola. RC Cola, one of the original soda flavors, featured a soda drinker who seemed to be wearing a soda-themed spacesuit on the outside. With its red cans and bottles and the white text, RC Cola embraced a futuristic vibe that set it apart from the crowd. It was the other option. Coke? No. Pepsi? No. RC? Sure. Why not? Nowadays, it's terrible. But it was always there for us. Getting into the, uh, the diet crowd, you had Tab the bitter sweetener tab was the precursor to diet Coke. It had a unique twist. It was sweetened with saccharin and had a taste that some likened to uh, like junk juice. (laughs) Researchers at MIT even declared it the most bitter substance on earth. Tab was an acquired taste and it paved the way for diet sodas everywhere. Cherry Coke, A sweet and fizzy fusion. Cherry Coke brought the delightful combination of cola and cherry flavoring into our taste buds. It was like a red-hued franken drink that delivered a burst of fruity goodness in every sip, making it a favorite among soda enthusiasts. I remember going for Cherry Coke as often as I could when I was a kid. Of course, in the 80s, you had Jolt Cola, the caffeine overload. Jolt was the go-to soda for those seeking a caffeine kick. It was the 80s equivalent of today's energy drinks providing a jolt of energy when you needed it most. While it might not be as widely available today, Jolt's legacy lives on in select markets worldwide. Wild Cherry Pepsi, a flavorful twist. In the mid-80s, soda brands began experimenting with adding flavors to their base colas, and as a competitor to Cherry Coke, Pepsi came out with Wild Cherry Pepsi. It was a standout success and remained the beloved choice over the years. It's a testament to the enduring appeal of cherry-flavored sodas. Then, you had 7-Up, the Un-Cola. Outside of the cola giants, 7-Up had its own unique presence in the 1980s. The Trinidadian-American actor, Jeffrey Holder, lent his distinctive voice to become the face of the Un-Cola. His deep-accented voice and natural charisma made for memorable commercials. But 7-Up didn't stop there. The Cool Spot campaign turned the red spot in the 7-Up logo into a beloved advertising icon. Cool Spot appeared in TV ads throughout the late 80s and early 90s, becoming a pop culture phenomenon. It even had its own video game. In the early 80s, 7-Up capitalized on the popularity of Pac-Man and turned the Red Spot into a Pac-Man-like character set to the tune of Kim Carter's hit song, Betty Davis Eyes. As we sipped on our favorite 1980s sodas, the cost and size of our drinks were quite different from today. Vending machines offered 12-ounce cans for a mere 50 cents, And glass bottles, often in 16 or 20-ounce sizes with screw caps, typically priced at 75 cents or 80 cents. You even had 2-liter and then 3-liter bottle sizes available. Notably, McDonald's, the fast food giant, used 12-ounce, 16-ounce, and 20-ounce wax paper cups to designate small, medium, and large drinks. Free refills weren't yet the norm, and the 32-ounce Big Gulp was considered massive, while the 44-ounce Super Big Gulp was almost excessive. The gargantuan 64-ounce double gulp didn't make widespread appearances until even the 1990s. In a market where size and price played a significant role, Wendy's made its mark by introducing 32-ounce large drinks and refills. They cheekily challenged the notion of a 20-ounce McDonald's drink as large. The 1980s saw the gradual decline of the glass bottle vending machines, paper cup vending machines that dispensed ice and soda, and smaller bottles like the 6-ounce and 8-ounce offerings from earlier decades. Soda in the 1980s was a delightful concoction of flavors, marketing campaigns, and cultural icons. It quenched our thirst for adventure, nostalgia, and caffeine kicks, leaving an enduring legacy that continues to bubble up for our memories. Whether you were a fan of the classics or sought out more eccentric flavors, the 80s soda scene had something for everyone. So raise a glass, or can to the fizzy memories of yesteryears, and let's toast to the cola wars. Death and taxes and the picture of George Washington on the dollar bill, those are
0: among the few constants in a changing world. But now another of those constants may be changing. Coca-Cola is about to announce what it calls the most significant development in its history. James McManus reports. The formula for Coca-Cola is called Merchandise 7X, a recipe so secret that it's locked inside this Atlanta bank vault, so successful that it's been tinkered with, but never dramatically changed in nearly a hundred years. But tomorrow, Coca-Cola Company will tell a thirsty world it's putting a smoother, sweeter taste into the most instantly recognizable bottle in the world.
1: This has got to be the boldest consumer product move of any kind, of any stripe, since Eve started to hand out apples.
0: We started producing it uh, today. This is the new Coca-Cola already taste-tested in Memphis, Tennessee. The new formula is also a secret, but it's essentially the same as the extremely popular Diet Coke, but sweetened with corn syrup. I believe it'll do for brand Coca-Cola what Diet coca Cola did for the diet market. Coke is still it, the nation's favorite, but the phenomenal success of Diet Coke and similar soft drinks has helped cut two and a half points off Coke's market share in just four years. Well, one percentage point of market share in the soft drink industry is generally believed to be 250 million dollars approximately. What is it? I have no idea. Number two Pepsi Cola says Coke is merely trying to match Pepsi's success. These two products, Pepsi and Coke, have been going at it eyeball to eyeball, and in my view, the other guy just blinked. Coca-Cola is ready to launch a nationwide advertising blitz, and the company already has sent its bottlers a video pep rally in the War of the Colas. So let's let a rip. Let's land on the beaches and go all the way. It's a kick. It's a hit. It's a coke. James McManus, CBS News, Atlanta.
1: I'm talking pretty big game nowadays being a coke guy. I mean by being a solely coke focused drinker and, and how much I love it. And, and that's my thing. But the truth of it is growing up in the 80s as a kid, I didn't have much choice in the matter. All I had was what was in front of me and what was actually purchased for whatever party. Um, you know, as the last child, my opinion didn't quite matter when it came to going up and down the aisles. And to be honest, I saved my choices for the snacks, not necessarily the beverages. And so what that meant was that my house was a whatever was outhouse. So we had, you know, Pepsi, we had Coke, uh, you know, we had some of the other flavors. And and so it wasn't necessarily a choice between Coke and Pepsi for me, but I did pay close attention to the commercials. I was a huge fan of what was on the TV. I mean, we clearly know this about me is that number one, I was a huge TV watcher. And number two, I loved my snacks. And so I loved watching our the commercials and, and, and picking out what ads I liked better than the others. I didn't have the option of fast forwarding through all the ads as a kid either. And so here we are, you know, in the middle of the Cola Wars and my family was straight down the middle. We were Switzerland. We were an equal opportunity soda sipping family. And you could see it on all of my family photos. If you had a, you know, a party table with the cake in the middle, all you have is, you know, you have the, you know, all the laid out, um sodas you have every single brand that was there and we tried it all it was all there for us on tv you had everything there you had you know every single artist that you could imagine you had coke kind of you know striking our nostalgia strings right with the sense of tradition and family and then here you had the choice of a new generation pepsi bursting out with michael jackson Madonna, Michael J. Fox, uh, Cindy Crawford, all of these you know, stars were out. But the funny thing is, is for me as a kid, Max Hedrum was where it was at. I could care less about the music stars. When I saw Max Hedrum, this guy is who captured my imagination. Max Hedrum was it. In the 1980s, he was the spokesman, and being able to kind of see his commercials start off, first off, as commercials, and then spilling off into that Max Headroom TV series that he had—that was amazing. I love being able to, you know, see this this character. It kind of felt like watching this character um, was um, like you were entering into the ground level of something really cool and something new and unusual about to happen. Max Headroom, this computer-generated head right that was just this this character talking about sodas talking about you know oh, oh catch the wave catch the wave and you would see as a kid this was literally like the first cool new piece of um of tv creation that like i was really into so i remember getting super into this guy but then overall when it came to sodas when it came to you know these drinks man i was everywhere it to me it really didn't matter because i was all about the sugary goodness, whether it was at a party, whether it was at a vending machine, vending machines were like the coolest thing. I remember being able to kind of have, you know, the, the coins in my hand popping in for 50 cents, hitting that giant button and pulling out, you know, whatever soda was there. That was just a lot of fun. I think just the act of buying the soda, the act of, you know, uh, of being able to kind of make that choice yourself for that brief moment, because I didn't really get that choice at the supermarket, but at the vending machine, Everything was there for me in front of me. Every choice, every single option was all in one. I wasn't really a Dr. Pepper kid. Uh, I didn't get into drinking that until, you know, later on. And even now, I'm a zero sugar guy. So like I start drinking like the zero, uh, the Coke zeros, the Pepsi zeros, the Mountain Dew zeros, anything with a zero on it, all of a sudden becomes appealing to me. That's what happens when you get older. You're like, oh, look, no calories, no sugar. Um, But man, as a kid, being able to dive into any flavor, anything, 7-Up with the spot, that was the coolest thing. I talk a big game about Cherry Coke, but when when Cherry 7-Up came out, man, I felt fancy. That was one of those drinks that you didn't drink that out of the can. You didn't drink that out of the bottle. You got a nice, fancy cup. You got a nice cup, maybe the Return of the Jedi glass, maybe, you know, a... Uh, um, You know, another, you know, fancy glass that you got from like Burger King. Maybe my Han Solo mug is what I would use. And you begin to pour that Cherry 7-Up into a glass. You could see the little, the pink bubbles boiling up. That's where it was at for me. It was all about the experience. It's kind of funny because the benefit of the Cola Wars was in that overall experience, seeing the commercials play out. Seeing the, um, the battle for supremacy in the soda aisle, you know, bubble up through all these other types of drinks as well. Knowing that, you know, I could easily identify Sunkist and Mountain Dew as the fun sodas. The, the, the Sprites was that was an adult soda. Diet Coke, that was not for me, that was for moms and dads. And being able to just kind of have that kind of fun choice when it came to your snacks and your party options and all that. If I were to take the Pepsi challenge right now, and, and take a sip, I would definitely know the difference between the two. As a kid, I probably wouldn't have been able to tell at all. New Coke? New Coke was perfectly fine for me as a kid because I didn't really care. I didn't understand the difference between New Coke and Coke Classic and Pepsi and and all that. It was just all about the fun commercials, the fun experience, and it's funny, there was, the things that I care about now versus the things I cared about then seem so small and so different. If I took the Pepsi challenge now, I'd probably pick Coke nine times out of 10 because I can distinctly tell the difference between the two. But as a kid, it was all fun. It was all there and it was all part of the experience. One of the biggest things that I love about 80s pop culture is that marketing and cartoons and commercials and celebrities all kind of rolled into one thing. It all just became one thing. All of a sudden you had models and musicians and movie stars and computer generated images all together trying to get you to drink the coolest, funnest drink. And it was all fizz. It was all carbonation. It was all nonsense, but so much fun. When I think about the eighties, the reason why I think about the Cola Wars so much is because of the entertainment that each and every commercial brought. And each and every time you go down that aisle or had to make a choice down the vending machine, it was just fun, full of color, full of brightness. And as a kid, you just didn't think about the little things. I did, however, think about fire when it came to that Michael Jackson commercial and his hair caught on fire. That, because in the 80s, stop, drop, and roll was everywhere. And you prepared yourself for your entire life for stop, drop, and roll. And there it was. And so then. Pepsi related to fire for me but that's for another time
0: give me that Buy a 16 ounce bottle of Sunkissed Orange Soda and get a quarter to play a video game at participating 7-Eleven stores. Enjoy the good vibrations
1: of Sunkissed. Okay, true believers, it's time for the QA. So let's jump right on in. Chris from Colorado between Coke and Pepsi, which one do you think had the catchier jingles in their commercials? The catchier jingles? Honestly, I mean, I think Coke ruled the um the 70s and early 80s. With, you know, I'd like to buy the world the Coke and uh, it's the real thing and all that. But to me, you know, you, you couldn't beat Pepsi as far as, you know, the choice of a new generation and, and things like that. Like those, those were the, the things. My favorite jingle, I think, was a Diet Coke jingle. And I didn't even... um I didn't even drink Diet Coke as a kid because that was diet. Coke. That was an adult drink. And so for me, it was Ray Charles, remember? And he was like, I got the real thing. I got the right one, baby. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Anyway, that's me. One of the few times you'll ever hear me sing on the show. <laughs> Oliver from Florida. Hey, man, from Miami. All right. With so many celebrities endorsing these brands over the years, who was your favorite endorser? Max Hedrum, period. Max Hedrum was my absolute favorite. Um, quote celebrity endorser it was just the coolest thing and um you know outside of that i wasn't you know i'm trying to think like on the pepsi side if there was somebody that really kind of you know hid it for me but it was just that was just pop culture everybody was there they were supposed to be there and that was that was cool but like max Hedgerman, man that whole experience of watching this computer-generated smart aleck like that was just the coolest thing i think one of my favorite commercials is where he interviewed pepsi And so he had a can of Pepsi and the can of Pepsi was like sweating, you know, like as it would do. And he's like, oh, I'm getting a little sweaty there, huh? And then it was just so much fun. I loved it. Loved Max Hedrum. Mark from Michigan. Were you a Coke kid or a Pepsi kid growing up? Do you have any fond memories associated with your choice? Again, you know, I wasn't an either or kid because of the fact that I wasn't making that choice. I wasn't buying the drinks in the aisle. It was whatever was at the house. I'm pretty sure at some point I was even a Shasta kid or a, um, you know, a store brand kid, you know, because it was just cola was cola at that time in in my mind. But I will tell you this. I loved making choices at the vending machine. I loved getting 50 cents from my dad. If I'd go visit him at work and I get to use his work vending machine and pick something from there, and I always remember how the giant, you go to a Coke machine, Coke was a giant button, and then everything else was a small button, you know, and it was just the, the coolest thing, and I, I would, you know, hit that giant button, pick Coke, or I would pick a Sunkist, or whatever, and it really didn't matter to me, because I was all about it. Uh, Sarah from Portland, did you ever try to do your own blind taste test, similar to the Pepsi Challenge? Oh, do you remember what the Coke one was? It was the Coke Pop Quiz. So it was the Coke Pop Quiz... In the Pepsi challenge. And they both claimed that one was better than the other. But in reality, I think Pepsi was the only one that actually had like data that that people chose it over Coke during that time. I would do that all the time. I would do that with other sodas. I would do that with um, Sunkist and I would do that with Fanta. I would do that with Sprite and 7-Up and I would love doing those little taste challenges and stuff. That was a blast. Megan from Phoenix, were there any iconic Coke or Pepsi commercials that you and your schoolmates would talk about or reference? Okay, I will tell you this. My favorite Pepsi commercial was the debut of Alfonso Ribeiro in that Michael Jackson Pepsi commercial, where he was busting out all of those all those moves, and then Alfonso ended up getting that job on Silver Spoons because of it. It kicked off his career. He was this dancer kid, and then you know became a, a, a cast member on silver spoons and beyond that that was awesome huge fan of that commercial in particular and then the coke commercials were were fun for me but i again like i love the max Hedrum commercials one of my favorites was that one where he interviewed pepsi but i also like the one where he was kind of um calling up all of the coke um the cokeologists is what he would call them and he would you know and it was like a big rallying cry cuz that was kind of a reference to the dystopian future Show that Max Hedrum was a part of uh, in the Max Hedrum show. But then the other thing was this my favorite soda commercial from that time also came from Dr. Pepper because Dr. Pepper had a commercial set in the future and it was after the Cola Wars, what would happen? And like, Dr. Pepper reigned supreme. And I always thought that was clever saying that, yeah, that let them fight it out because we are the ones that are going to reign supreme on that. It's worth, definitely worth looking at. David from Seattle with the rise of health consciousness and a shift away from sugary drinks. How do you feel about the legacy of the Cola Wars in today's context? I think it's kind of funny. I feel like in today's context, I feel like everything kind of just um, gave up. You're not really seeing a ton of commercials of one versus the other anymore. You're not really seeing that kind of marketing. It's like, this is just who we are. This is what we've got. We're the other option. And then you end up with all these other kind of um, taste testing flavors. And then the funny thing is, is about, you know, in relation to the health consciousness stuff, there's even more of a presence with the zero sugar. And I think it's kind of funny that everything just uses zero as as their brand. It doesn't matter if it's Coke or Pepsi, it's Pepsi zero sugar, Coke zero sugar, Dr. Pepper zero sugar, seven up zero sugar. Like it was always all of these like on this, on that, no sugar, no this. In the past it would be, you know, um, Pepsi free. Remember Pepsi free? It was big in, uh, in back to the future right Pepsi free uh then you'd have you know the um you know all the other like coke names and all these other different options but now I think it's just like no these are the options this is what you got and there's a zero sugar element to it and I wouldn't be surprised if in the future um the zero sugar part of things became just more normal I'm not like the health guru so I'm not really equipped for that but man guys thank you so much for the Q a and uh next up is one to grow on <laughs>
0: All of these soft drinks have caffeine. All of them. Surprised? Now you can't see it or smell it, but oh yes, it's there. Seven Up is light and refreshing, crisp and clean, and no caffeine. Never had it. Mm-hmm, never will. Mm. Now don't you feel good about Seven Up? I'd be surprised if you didn't. Don't you feel good about? It? <laughs>
1: Anyone remember when Pepsi challenged people to a taste test? It was all about picking a side based on a sip. And then there was Coke with its new Coke formula, which, well, let's just say, got a mixed reception. It's a reminder that sometimes it's not about the latest trend or the flashiest campaign, but about the genuine essence of things. Think of it this way. In life, just like in the world of soft drinks, we're constantly faced with choices. Sometimes we get tempted by the new Coke of life, that shiny new thing or quick fix that promises happiness. But just like Coke realized and declared, you can't beat the real thing, we too should recognize the value of authenticity. Pepsi might have said that it was the choice of the new generation, but in life, it's essential to consider not just what's new and trendy, but what has depth, substance, and staying power, as Abraham Lincoln wisely put it. Character is like a tree and reputation like its shadow. The shadow is what we think of it. The tree is the real thing. When making choices, we should strive to pick what nurtures our character, making us better individuals. It's not about the fizz and sparkle on the surface, but the content and substance underneath. The real challenge isn't in choosing between Coke and Pepsi, but in deciding what you want to be, what values you uphold, and what legacy you leave behind. So, next time you're faced with a decision, Think of the Cola Wars and remember, don't just go for the latest craze and the loudest ad. Choose what's genuine, what's real, and what truly resonates with the essence of who you are. Cheers to making choices that can't beat the real thing. And that's one to grow on. I All true believers, it's time to pop the top on another bubbly episode of Radio Wayne's One to Grow On. And today, we've been knee-deep in the fizzy frenzy of the cola wars. That epic battle between Coke and Pepsi. Taste test, anyone? But before we cap off this episode, let's carbonate your experience. If you've been sipping along with us, it's high time to join the cola craze. Subscribe to the podcast on all platforms and leave a review that is as sweet as the real thing. Your reviews are like the secret recipe to help others find us in the soda aisle of podcasts. Now, drum roll, please, because we've got something that is going to excite you. We are introducing our $2 time machine tier on Patreon. For just $2 a month, you'll unlock the power to journey through time with us and get a new episode a couple of days early as it's freshly edited. So you get your episodes earlier. As soon as they are edited, it's like finding a vintage soda in the back of the fridge. Pure delight. Don't worry, our cup of coffee in the big time tier is still brewing strong at $5 per month, complete with bonus posts, exclusive polls, and the audio show The More You Know. It's the perfect blend of nostalgia and caffeine. Feeling the urge to share your retro thoughts will dial us up on voicemail at 727-37 Wayne or You got more to say? Drop us a line at RadioWayne at gmail.com. And for daily doses of nostalgia, follow us on Instagram and our fast-growing Facebook community under at podcast. We're also bubbling up on TikTok and YouTube, so help us fizz up those platforms too. A big shout out to the artist extraordinaire Greg Gosselin for creating our delicious podcast logo and artwork show him some love by following at Greg Gosselin and bask in his artistic soda fountain. And of course, our editing wizard, Stephen Orr, whose podcasting prowess can be heard on the Just Another Fanboy podcast and the Superman Superfeed and an ever growing number of podcasts on that feed as well. Now, as we cap off this episode, remember, this has been a Radio Wayne Media production. Keep those nostalgic hands open, your taste buds tingling, and until next time, my friends, stay fizzy and catch the wave. Woo.